1: It's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to grilling Jr with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross, Jim, how are you, man? I'm good. Conrad. You sound like you're full of P and V this morning, man. I am. And I'm hoping for a little P and v. let let's move on. Hey, we're excited to be back here. And, uh, when I say back <laughs> here, I mean, you just returned from across the pond, baby yeah, I, Liverpool. How was
2: it? I'm a little jet lag. It was great. It was great. I saw so many people that I hadn't seen in a long time. And, you know, with all these in our business, as crazy as it is, you know, you don't know when you're gonna see somebody again. And yeah. especially at my stage of the game, I'm uh I had a great time. it's really nice to catch up with people and how their families family's doing, their kids are doing and all those things. And it was just amazing how many people were there that I hired back in the day. It was uh really cool. So but it was good, good experience. I'm really glad that I did it. They treated me good. Uh I think they treated everybody good. So I'll say this, those guys are big thinkers and they're entrepreneurs kind of like you and me. Uh, they got that, you know, they, they, they got, they had a plan and, and I just hope they did well on it. It looked like they did. So, uh, in any event, it was a fun trip.
1: Well, I'm glad you had fun and I know we're going to have fun today. We're going to be doing a raw watch along and, uh, man, anytime we get to watch old Monday night, raw with you, it's going to be a good day. We're going way back to April 28th, 1997, uh, which is kind of fun when you think about it, because as we're watching this today, or as folks are listening to this today, it's the 25th anniversary of this 1997, man, really important, critical year for the company and wrestling as a whole. Is it not?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was big, uh, crucial time, but we had, uh, we're just reloading our shells Vince said, get younger, get more athletic Jr. Let's uh, we got to get some new faces. Uh, up and running and so we, we did that as best we could, but that roster just, I'm always, I go back and look at it and just astonished at who we were able to sign and, and put on the team on the team. So it was, uh, it was a really unique uh, time for us. It was crucial for WWE, all that 97 stuff really led to, uh, that March to going public and, uh, so it was a money wise. Uh, that period, this period of time, we're going to talk about today. And this particular raw, uh, was right in the heart of all that stuff. So it should be fun to talk about.
1: And Jim, before we get going, I feel like we should, uh, sort of at least briefly talk about, you guys have a big time pay-per-view coming up for AEW before you know it, you're going to be back out in Vegas again, between you going to Liverpool this past week and Vegas around the corner. It feels like <laughs> things are getting more back to normal, right?
2: Yeah. The, uh, you know, the. Covid situation is still exists. You know, it's still uh, a, uh, a, a important issue to deal with. I got a, a booster shot just oh, a few days ago. Uh, my another booster shot, so I think I'm uh, prepared for my trip. I was, was prepared for my trip. I'm prepared for any trip as far as COVID is concerned. But it looks like the COVID issues. There's more information. Uh, and I don't know i i just i don't say it's run its course, it hasn't, but uh there's a way to deal with it, and that's the only thing you can do. I believe in science, Conrad, not politics uh as far as uh this is concerned so uh, i'm uh i'm 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 pleased with where this is going, and you know I had no trepidation whatsoever about going to to england uh you know I just felt like you know this is uh, this is under control as far as I'm concerned. I can still mask up. I don't have a problem masking up. So, it's a uh, it's an interesting time for us, but I I like you. I, I'm glad that it's lessening uh, somewhat because it provides more opportunities. You know, I don't know what the payroll was for the, our, the big show in Liverpool, but it was it had to be strong because oh we yeah, had some
1: big-time crew there.
2: Yeah, big-time crew and and they weren't just ham and eggers. These were big-time players. So, it's uh I'm I'm uh I'm, I'm glad things are lessening somewhat. We need a break. And I think we're, we're slowly getting into that. It's, we, we've got a break period of time. So all good, man. It's all good. We all just got to work together, be smart and, uh, and, and do what the science people with the science tell us to do. I don't have a problem with that.
1: Well, I'm excited, uh, that we're actually getting to go back and, and talk about the good old days today. So without further ado, I want everybody to fire up the peacock machine. And let's go to season five, episode 15 or episode 17. I'm sorry. Season five, episode 17, specifically it's April 28th, 1997. Uh, I love doing these with you, Jim. And I'm going to do us a little countdown. And when I say, uh, play, we'll press play. How's that sound? I can handle that. Okay, here we go. In three, two, one, play. <laughs>
3: I don't want to wrestle you, Brett. You come right out here right now in a street fight, and I'll beat your ass back to Canada, and you've got one minute. You've Take it out of I accept. After what? You're going straight to hell. If I'm going straight to hell, you're damn sure coming with me. My <laughs> time, it won't be for the weak at heart. That's a pull dog. That's
2: They're getting the heat on Stone Cold Conrad. Big time. Stone, big stone. And of all people, making the proverbial save, his boyhood dreams are coming true. He's swinging a chair, John Michaels.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Listen, I know that that Jake and or not Jake, but DDP and and Macho won. Feud of the year in 97, but this has to be right up there. Brett and Austin.
2: Oh yeah. That's, I didn't even, I was, uh, I was unaware of the, uh, the the other match you talked about DDP and, and macho man, and I got no disrespect for those guys, obviously, but they're great stars and they've established their legacies, but I don't know how you pick, uh, any feud of that year over Austin and Brett, I, I don't see how you could do it and I'm biased, so. We'll take that for what it's worth. The,
1: this really was magic. What we're seeing here. This is still the build of stone cold, Steve Austin. Of course, at this point, let's track it here with the ambulance.
3: Let's go. Tracy. Tracy. Ah, Tracy. Ah, Tracy. Look
2: a lot of drama, man
3: I told the world that I would ship red hard straight back to Canada. And that's exactly what I did.
2: This is one of the reasons that Austin was always that DTA don't trust anybody. So when he, he got saved, it was not that often. Right. He didn't yeah. have that many allies. To... Brian Phil it's good to see Brian, right?
1: Great to see Brian, especially given their shared history. And now here, here we start the show, but what a recap, a three minute little video to get us going to catch us up on what happened last week. But that really was, um, maybe one of the best, And correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is a few weeks into the new look and feel of Monday night raw. But it feels as if Vince Russo is getting more and more writing power or whatever you want to call it behind the scenes. But that sort of thread that went throughout the show where you don't just see the main storyline or the top star once or twice, you see them throughout the show. That's ultimately what's going to help you guys win the war with WCW when you do it, not with Steve and and Brett, but with Steve and McMahon, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, with, with Steve was the key thing, quite frankly, sure. sure. He was, he was just getting hotter in hell and people were buying into it. Well, that, to look at that pyro was really, uh, brings back a lot of cool memories,
1: it, it was serves. an unbelievable change, you know, from just the old open we had with Monday night raw with just the giant letters. And now we've got the Titan Tron and the big pyro and the, the new entrance and, and really a new attitude for lack of a better word. Um, to go from Monday Night Raw to Raw is War, it's a totally different approach here.
2: You got a different feel, different look, strong 18 to 34, 18 to 49 year old male demographic. That's what we're seeing here, a lot of guys. And there's ladies there too, but are the the crux of it was we were dominating or are still building that uh, 18 to 49 demo, which is still coveted by all wrestling promotions.
1: Yeah. And here we see Brian Pillman coming out. Of course, he's who helped close the show with Steve Austin last week. Now, in real life, behind the scenes, Meltzer would say, Bret Hart underwent arthroscopic knee surgery on April 23rd uh, at a hospital in Calgary, but his planned surgery to repair his wrist initially scheduled for 424 didn't take place. Hart was told that to have the operation to repair chronic painful wrist injury, which stemmed from a break several years ago that never healed properly and had bone fragments that needed to be cleaned up. He would be out of action for a minimum of three months, and then it would still be susceptible for a future break because of both factors, Hart decided against the surgery until after he retires as a full-time wrestler. So that explains why we did the whole ambulance deal, because Brett's going to have to have surgery and take a little bit of a break. Yeah. Let's, ta- let's tag in Pillman here and see what he has to say on the mic.
3: But I'm here to tell you, there's a sensitive side to Brian Pillman. And quite frankly, I'm very, very deeply religious. And since last week, after playing the carnage of raw over and over again in my mind, I became deeply disturbed. Nightmares, sleepless nights, I didn't know if what I had done was right. But thankfully, a glorious awakening overcame me. I was overwhelmed with the spirit of truth. And since that day, I have been compelled to pray, to pray for all of our misgivings.
1: So we know this is going to lead to quite the, uh, the promo from Steve Austin, where he's going to say essentially <laughs> something like, um, you better give your soul to the Lord because your ass belongs to stone cold and boy, yeah. it's it quite a pop.
2: Yeah. That um, was a great line. Great comeback.
1: This sort of, um, edging. I mean, this is not something we would have seen just a few years prior, a promo no. in the ring like this, first of all, uh, or a crowd like this, frankly, But then to have something a little more controversial, a little more edgy, it does feel like something that the WWF avoided, but man, we're really trying things and we're doing so in an effort to try to close that gap on the ratings. Raw, the prior week drew a 2.75 rating and a 4.24 share. Compare that to nitro at a 3.39 rating and a 5.43 share. That's still a little tighter than it had been. Of course, on the other side, they're still riding the success of the NWO. But stone cold is starting to catch fire and we've got some great storytelling here going down, but we're having to take risks and chances and not just do uh, business as usual for the WWF, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was a different presentation. I wasn't, uh, I was never a big fan of, uh, interjecting religion in a, in a pro wrestling storyline, still not, uh, just don't think it's necessary. Uh, there's a lot of other ways to skin the cat, so to speak. But, you know, like you said, Russo had a, he was edgy and Howard stern ish ish, I guess I should say, uh, it's just amazing. O'Brien you know, goes out there and cuts his promo, which is so unique and different. Uh, and, and he wrote it, you know, I, I, I don't, nobody wrote, wrote copy. I don't think, and no disrespect to Vince Russo, who did a great job there. uh, uh more often than not. I didn't agree with everything he wrote, but uh, so what? Uh, but this is this is a heavy duty dialogue from a guy that's kind of creating it on the fly. He knew exact, he knew where he wanted to go, and he knew the direction this promo was going to take. But that was uh, Brian was able to pull this off. so, looking at how so many promos are scripted and guys are doing promos uh, based on memory. Uh, I thought Brian did a hell of a job with this promo, even though I didn't like the tenor of, of, of interjecting the religion into it.
1: Oh, I want to mention too how creative we're having to be writing wise. Brian Pillman is is not the old Brian Pillman here. He's had his ankle shattered. He's had multiple surgeries, so he's not exactly oh, Stone Cold's piping in. Here we go.
3: Ah, you better pray. And I don't come out there and beat the hell out of you. What? Speaking of saviors, not even Bret Hart is going to be able to save your ass. of the devil, it says in the good book, an eye for an eye and to turn the other cheek. <laughs> That's
1: not what we expected. Anyway, the point I was trying to make is at this very moment, Sid's out injured, Sean's out injured, Brett's out injured. Pillman's not ever going to be quite the same. Right. But you've got these big stars and Pillman being so strong on the mic, he's a great addition to the Hard Foundation, especially with Brett on the shelf. But I mean, let's think about it. We're just a few weeks removed, really, from WrestleMania, where Sid dropped the belt to The Undertaker and now Sid's out hurt. And you had Shawn Michaels, who was originally supposed to be in the headline main event, and he's still out hurt and Brett who arguably stole the show at WrestleMania, he too is out hurt. So yeah. you have to get pretty creative. If, if the in-ring component, the bell to bell stuff is gone. Well, we've got to have a lot of sizzle here, right?
2: Yeah. And, uh, creativity, yeah. I had to have, a, I had to have a bigger racer because trying to book these house shows with a partial roster. Uh, live events, what are we going to call them was, was, was
1: daunting to say the least. So Steve Austin didn't fall for the trap, you know, as, as Pillman's basically begging him to come out as soon as he makes his way to the ring and slide bulldog and Owen Hart and Austin knew better. So he dips right out of there amongst the 6,617 fans who paid $88,124 Uh Pillman's still not done. Gonna be talking about the heart foundation a little bit here.
3: Brother Davy, please, we need a moment of silence. We're still in the midst of our prayer. Before we were so rudely interrupted, I'd like to finish our moment of prayer
1: because. Let me mention Melzer would write this weekend house show business was huge. Uh, April 25th at the Kiel center in St. Louis at 8,335 tickets for 139 grand. The next day in Kansas city, they had 9,750 fans for $164,000, which by the way, makes it the largest gate ever for pro wrestling in Kansas city. And one of the two or three largest crowds ever. The next day in Sioux City, Iowa, they had 2,687 fans for 47,000 bucks. Meltzer would say, due to injuries, lots of car changes. The main event that drew the gates was Undertaker against Bret Hart, which confirms that everyone really already knows about the success of the Hart heel turn. It wound up with Undertaker pinning Davy Boy on top all three nights. So, even though it feels as if business is headed in the right direction, it might not be enough. And what I mean is. We're gonna know that just a handful of months after this uh we're in April, so I guess it's September five months later, that's where Brett gets the news from Vince, Hey, I can't afford to honor your contract, but here we are saying, man, this is the largest gate ever in Kansas City, but there's just so much more to the business than just ticket sales, right
2: yeah, but it sure hell sure as hell helped us because uh you know we we're we're drawing these houses on. Women of prayer, so to speak, just is a booking to say the least. I had to come up with a lot of different stipulations to add some sizzle to the cards. Uh, but but these guys are the ones that uh made it work. And here comes the guy that was leading the pulling the wagon and coming out there with a weapon. The last thing you want to see is Stone Cold running down the aisle with a what is that? A
1: An axe handle, he broke axe the axe handle. off, and he just brought the handle down.
2: Swinging that thing like he was Mickey Mantle. Some kids out there saying,
1: Hey, Daddy, who's Mickey Mantle?
2: Uh, He's the greatest baseball player that ever lived, kid. <laughs> well, that's JR's take on it.
1: Here comes that promo we were talking about. And by the
3: way, the hitman Hart, is on his way. I don't know where the hell you're going. But you better give your soul to the Lord, or somebody, because your ass is mine.
2: Awesome! It's the toughest game when he's promos. Man had this crowd in the palm of his hand. Yep. And again, the, the thing that I admire about this so much, Conrad, is the fact that Steve was he was just he was riffing. uh, You know, he was he knew what he wanted where he wanted. He knew the road he's on. But he created all the twists and turns and the stops and all that stuff.
1: What do you think of this three-man booth here? Jerry Lawler, Vince McMahon, and Jim Ross. We know it won't be too much longer. And Vince will step away and it'll just be you and Jerry. But what'd you think of that three-man combination?
2: I liked it. You know, uh, I'm not a big three-man guy. Uh, but nonetheless, I liked the, uh, our chemistry, you know, it was, I'd a lot rather have Vince sitting beside me doing commentary as in my ear. When I was doing commentary, it made it so much easier, so so much smoother, at least in my opinion.
1: We come back from commercial here after giving a little preview of what we're going to see tonight, running down the match card and Pillman's in the back praying. Uh, let's let's track a little bit here
3: to see his brother, Owen, his brother-in-law, Davey, and so I can greet him with our best wishes. Please
1: hear my prayer, Lord. Meanwhile, back in the ring, here's you Flash I mean? Funk, <laughs> the, 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 the former two Cold Scorpio. What would you think of the Flash Funk gimmick?
2: I didn't mind it. You know, he, uh, Charles Skaggs is his, his given name, as Granny <laughs> would say. Uh, Hell of an athlete, yes, sir, and a, and, a, and a tough guy too. He was not just a high flyer, flip flop, and fly dude. Uh, He had, he's a tough dude. I promise you. And, uh, so Charles was a good get for us. I think Charles, I think I may have hired Charles, uh, through the recommendation of Vader, if my memory serves me correctly. And I think they became buddies in Japan. You just go find him where you can, man.
1: Well, we try some things that don't always work. And here's a shining example of that. The former Billy Gunn is now rockabilly and yes, you don't have to adjust your television set that is the honky talk man right here in the attitude era, 1997. I guess we're eight days into the rockabilly gimmick and it's DOA already. Uh, he, he lost the debut against, uh, the real double J at the pay-per-view, uh, beat him the next night on raw. And now this. I get that on some level, we may have our arms around, okay, the smoking guns time is over. It's time to do something different. And I think people are still shocked when they meet Billy Gunn in real life. This is a man and a half. He is Hulk Hogan's height and size, but people don't feel that way for some reason, maybe because he was a part of a tag team. But I'm sure Vince sees a guy like that and says, man, there's got to be something here. And we know ultimately, We find it with badass Billy going, that's part of the new age outlaws, but we're still a ways away from that here. And this rockabilly gimmick, I think it can be chalked up to uh, the old two C's. This is just bad creative. Is it not?
2: Well, it didn't work. So I, I think you're it, it becomes bad creative by default it just it just didn't work. Uh, you know, you can see these guys are working hard. Yes. You know, uh, uh two coast, Scorpio doing his thing, uh, rockabilly, you know, Billy Gunn, like you said, he's a big, magnificent athlete. He still is a son of a bitch. Yeah. I don't know. You know, he's, he, he's ageless.
1: He looks better now than ever. Um, and, and, and obviously he's, uh, 25 years older than he is right here, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it.
2: It's amazing. Those two rugrats of his, were probably just, uh, you know, I don't even have, they even born quite frankly. I don't know those kids are young or twenties, but they, they got some potential as well. The gun club, uh.
1: The Ass Boys.
2: Yeah, the Ass Boys. Uh, the son of Ass Man. And that's not uh, the glasses plate that, uh, that Kramer got his hands on, in, on Seinfeld. Ass Man.
0: What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit justcapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal, Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit justcapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital.
1: Talk to me a little bit about doing business with Honky Tonk Man here in 1997. You know, listen, I know a lot of people online have Pretty strong opinions one way or another, but you can't deny that that guy had so much success in the WWF in his first run. I mean, he had white hot heat. He he was one of the biggest heels in the entire business at that point. So it makes sense that you would say, "Okay, well, let's bring him back." He had such success. You you try
2: to catch lightning in a bottle, Conrad. You knew that the guy had a resume, or he was very successful and headlines, some major events, had great uh, placement on uh, at WrestleManias and so forth, for example. Uh, you just hope that there's, there's something that you can, you know, recapture, uh, and that happens a, a awful lot in wrestling It happens, it's happening, it happens today I and mean, it's not nothing new. So, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I, I was hoping that it would click, you know, I, I did some broadcasting with honky. He said he was a, he was a natural at it, quite frankly. Uh, a lot of guys didn't like him. I, I had no issue. i never had one issue with, uh, Wayne Ferris. He's just an old school guy. And when you get to those old school guys, the first thing you got to overcome is their lack of trust to the office. And he didn't trust the office and, and maybe rightfully so, but uh, I never had any in my role, I never had any issues with him. I remember taking him to South Africa and, uh, him, uh, he and I broadcasting. And he, he was for a guy that had not done it. He was a natural.
1: I don't know if you saw, but they, they just dropped something that was kind of fun there. They ran a little promo at the bottom of the screen that advertised USA's Sunday night heat, and it showed all their original programming, uh, like silk stockings, Pacific blue, the big, easy, all that type stuff. Of course we know the next year, 1998, the WWF would have a Sunday show also called Sunday night heat, which just goes to show you that was actually a USA idea. How about that?
2: Interesting. Never found this audience, but it was interesting.
1: Look at Billy Gunn doing his thing. How would you describe that dancing? Elaine from science? Yeah. It was
2: a little, little Elaine light. Yeah. Cow on ice ish <laughs> like J R and Conrad after too much to drink on a Saturday night,
1: we've at all the been
2: FW hall, but see the thing about honky. He, he knew all the mechanics. He had good timing, uh, so he needed to be at the right place at the right time for that old bump to take place. And which led to this.
1: Yep. And there's the pen Flash Funk gets the win, but I think uh, Rockabilly's probably got something to say about that. I haven't seen this in a long time, but I bet that guitar over in the corner comes into play. I'm just guessing. You reckon?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the old deal where you got a light roster. You, you're not sure who's getting over, who's not. You got a fairly good idea. Here it comes. Runners on base on the ninth, boom. <laughs> so, but the point is, I was going to make is, you get a baby face a win, and and he, you blow all the heat off of him for the win with this.
1: So you know, and we see uh, referee Jack Doan and Mike Kyoto trying to talk some sense into Rockabilly, who for some reason has baby powder in his guitar. I love that it gives you a great visual, but it never made a whole lot of sense to me. Why exactly is there baby powder in a guitar?
2: I guess for this the visual effect, of course. But I don't know any better reason. So in other words, I don't know the reason.
1: I just think it's funny that you know it, it does look great as a visual, but in reality, Lord, it would have absolutely no sense for there to be. <laughs> yeah, All right. right. Speaking of no sense, how great is this? We see Hitman here, fresh off knee surgery in the backstage area.
4: Something I want to say, I just don't know if they're going to listen. So let's go. They're going to hear
1: it. Going to Gorilla monsoon, taking a look over his shoulder. And of course, Owen and bulldog are going to ease the hitman out to the ring. We see him in the backstage area. We're going to a commercial break. And when we come back, he's going to be in the middle of the ring doing a promo and uh, Meltzer would say Bret Hart arrived in a wheelchair and did an anti-American interview, which was his weakest television interview since the turn. And this is really the beginning of Brett turning up the gimmick regarding being anti-American. And it's pretty revolutionary here because he's going to be a baby face in the rest of the world, but a heel here in America. I don't think that was something that had been done very often if ever in wrestling at this point right
2: yeah it's pretty unique yeah it was it was uh, pretty unique that in the, the border was the line of demarcation there's a little shot of uh the, the surgery
1: yeah it's a real deal man check that out
4: now introduced to you the former the four time of world surgery. wrestling as federation as well. champion ladies and gentlemen rat the hitman a
1: You get the big booze. And by the way, Meltzer said it was his weakest interview. I think it's a really strong interview. We're going to track some of it. But he says something in here that I still remember to this day. Something like, um, don't you hate that I always keep reminding you I'm the best? Well, that's how the rest of the world feels about the USA or America or whatever he says. But I just think that's I mean, this is really well done in that a lot of times some of the good guy, bad guy stuff can feel rather cartoonish. But the best bad guys, Jim, they believe what they're saying is true. I mean, they, they don't think they're being a bad guy. They think they're just being honest. And I think yeah. that's what Brett was doing here.
2: I think so. I, I think you're right.
1: Let's track it here. Cause boy, these fans are all over him.
3: I know where Brian Pillman's coming from and it's great to see him on his hand, knees, hands and knees praying, but Brian, No matter how much you pray, every once in a while, one slimy, rotten hyena breaks through and makes the kill on a lion, a real lion, the king of the jungle. But he didn't kill this lion, he just wounded me. But all the praying in the world won't help the likes of Stole Cold Steve Austin, The scum of America. You know, I realized last week when I was wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin that it wasn't just one hyena, because hyenas don't hunt by themselves, it's a whole pack. That's what you signify. To me, you're all just a lousy, rotten pack of lousy, stinking hyenas. Now yeah, he's testifying. America, the American wrestling fan, huh? You're a disgrace around the world. Around the world, they'll still appreciate heroes, and they appreciate someone who stands up for the truth. And that's exactly what I stood up for. I was a real hero. And I stood up, and I told you the truth. What did I get for it? All those years of service, what did I get? I found that lousy, stinking creep in the ring, trying to rip my leg off, trying to end my career. You know, I don't care what you think of me, but I know one thing, that I never deserved that. You know, all you have to do is watch the television. You can see how bloodthirsty the American wrestling fans are. You want your little blood. You want the snap of the bones. You want blood poured all over the place because you're a sick, depraved society.
1: I think this one's a little long. Yeah, it is going a little long.
3: Well, I knew it would come down to this sooner or later. And I've had to lower my standards and lower myself to that same milk so that I could prove, as I always have and I always will, that I'm still the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Aren't you sick of that? Don't you just hate that? But I keep talking about how I'm the best. Yeah. Well, now you know how the rest of the world feels about the United States of America. I'm just going to say one thing. I'm back. I'll be out of commission for a little while. Go ahead and chant your USA. My mother's American. So called Steve Austin. These are your people. That's fine. This, the way I look at things, that ambulance that brought me here tonight, better stay real close. Because I can promise, not just the likes of Stole Cold Steve Austin, but scum like Shawn Michaels, before this night is over, maybe we could get you a nice ride to the hospital where you people can drool and bulge your eyes and grind your teeth and clinch your fists at all the (laughs) fias and gore. But this time, the Heart Foundation will be giving it out instead of receiving it. It's still called Steve Austin. You're not only your days, but your hours and your minutes are numbered. You people make me sick. Get me out of here.
1: So there you go. I, and I know that we've spent a lot of time talking about on today's program and, and in other shows from this era about Bret Hart in 1997. But I think this is the best, for lack of a better word, character work we ever saw from Bret. You know, he has this edge that I think really, really suits him. Well, let's say it
2: was was real and it resonated Conrad. Yeah, it was real, uh, in his mind's eye. Uh, one of the things that always works is the fact when a heel is speaking the truth in their mind and they're so convinced convinced that they're right. That, uh, they, they can't, nobody can change their mind. And that's the thing about it. You know, we didn't hear anything that Brett said that wasn't, uh, in his mind. True. And all the audience also knew that, uh, you know, that that's just a that Duncan Leslie was one of our schedulers.
3: There's dunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look at this commercial, but recently he seems to be coming out of his shell.
4: He's starting to scare me. It's probably some post-mortem thing.
2: (laughs) Well, here comes the LOD Conrad.
1: Yeah. We're trying some different things here. You know, LOD came back in early 1997. They're going to get as Bruce would call it a fresh paint of coat in time for WrestleMania 14, but we're still trying some things here and hope that we've got the, uh, the road warriors of old. And I think we're actually going to see a replay where Henry Godwin, unfortunately suffered a broken neck from the doomsday device, which has always been one of the scariest looking maneuvers. I recently talked to Jake and DDP about their finishing maneuvers, the diamond cutter and uh, the DDT. And I asked, was there ever a finish that they were hesitant to take? And boy, they did not mince words. The doomsday device was not something they were tickled to do.
2: Yeah. A lot of guys had that, that those thoughts. You had to hit it just right. Your timing had to be impeccable or, uh, the worst thing you could think of is going to happen. And that could be a broken neck. And well, I'll tell you what, if you set Henry Godwin down, you know, you've done something because he was one tough old bastard. I'll tell you, big, rugged dude. Sure was glad to have him on our team. And I was glad to have these two guys on our team too. Furnace and LaFon.
1: Dark Furnace and Phil LaFon. Only gonna make it three minutes and forty-six seconds here. Let's hear their promo.
4: WN N. I don't know. I can't figure it out. We take
3: pictures, we sign autographs. These people don't realize that we're international superstar and they can't cope with our style.
4: And Doug, what's, uh, what do you think the major difference is between your team and the Legion of doom? i tell you the biggest difference we're professional wrestlers. They come out here dressed
3: like clowns. You know, the other thing is the fans, these guys play a home game every night. They wrestle. If we had that kind of support, we'd be, we'd have the championship belts right now. Very frustrating.
1: So the gist is of that interview, Hey, these guys aren't over. Um, which is an interesting approach. Oh, the fans just don't know that we're international superstars. You know, we're ready to take pictures and autographs. It's, yeah. it's a different approach. Is it not?
2: Yeah, but we didn't do a good job of, uh, uh, featuring furnace and Lafon. Uh, they should have had a bigger build. They should have been made to mean more before they, uh, made their debut. I mean, you know, that the LOD is going to get the win. Okay. So that's nothing unusual. Uh, they went they won most of their matches uh but uh i I liked uh lafon and and furnace I thought maybe I made these mistakes before you know getting guys that came from Japan and especially all Japan in those days uh you know maybe we get them too late maybe they' their their bodies are just not going to re- re- rebound like you want it to uh but I'm, I'm not re- I don't regret ever hiring them and signing them. I thought they were two class acts, but they were banged up and they were more banged up than I had the knowledge of, if that makes any sense. They passed our physicals, but still the wear and tear. Sometimes you can't measure it until you get in the heat of battle.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't quite the same. And that's the story for a lot of talent, but you know, we often say here on the program that timing is everything. And man, think about the success and the matches that we would be enjoying with Furnace and LaFine if they were around today. Can you imagine them and F T R, them and the Young Bucks? I mean, the the matches would be phenomenal.
2: No doubt about it. And uh yeah, that A that AEW tag team division is getting stronger by the day, it seems like. And these guys would have fit perfectly into that uh in that mix.
1: You mentioned a minute ago, you know, the Road Warriors, they won most of the time. And I thought, I wonder if somebody ever figured out their win percentage. And as I imagined, everything's online. The internet wrestling database uh tells me that unbelievably Road Warrior Hawks win percentage throughout his career was seventy-one point one two percent. I can't believe we have data like that, but there you go. I mean he's winning 14.
2: seven out of ten matches. Pretty good. His career. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Better than Belichick.
1: I, I, w- I want to mention if you have a 300 batting average, you are a first ballot hall of Famer. <laughs> That's right. So there you go. Uh, Meltzer would say this uh, match was a style clash actually road warriors against almost anyone nowadays is a style clash furnace and LaFond desperately need a manager. They're so not over. It's like they're six feet under for the first time in history. They're actually doing a gimmick as furnace and LaFond's gimmick as explained by Vince McMahon and Jim Ross. Where basically they aren't over. That's the gimmick. McMahon explained that American fans aren't used to Furness and Lafon's European style. So that's what it is. But I did an interview challenge, LOD after the match. It was just a dead segment. So we're trying something here, but.
2: That's encouraging to read. That's really encouraging. That's promoting the business. It's one guy's opinion, for God's sakes. And look, Dave Melch has been a friend of mine for 30 years. Yeah. He's a smart, smart man when it comes to pro wrestling, but let's not go crazy about his opinion. His opinion is just that I I respect it. But I don't agree with all of them.
1: Oh, of course
0: not.
2: I'm sure he doesn't agree. He's called out some of my calls, Uh, you know, so what? I don't care.
1: Yeah. It's an opinion. That's all. Yeah.
2: So the crowd gets to see road warrior, the road warriors in action. That's why a lot of them uh, came here to Omaha, Nebraska. I always think of Jimmy Rasky from Nebraska. Baron von Rashke. <laughs> oh, look at that guy! Who's that? The young guy with the hat on.
1: Look at that handsome devil. Let's track you. Yeah,
2: all right. I'm surprised Vincent had me wearing a mask.
4: You guys had some things to say about the Legion of Doom before we went on the air, but what? uh, What did that cost you? That matchup? Well, it's just like we
3: said before, it's so frustrating around here. These guys play a home field advantage every night. We're getting tired of it. We had to come in here. I have to do the referee's
4: job. They got the illegal guy. It's just getting out of hand. Are you two blaming the fans on your loss? Never mind. It took two of them to be one of us. And
3: all I'm saying is rematch and rematch soon. (laughs)
2: We're we're trying.
1: Yeah. Those those
2: guys are not the the most skilled on the mic. Yeah. uh, Quite honestly. So we're putting them in a position that, uh, didn't quite fit. And, uh, Milcher was absolutely correct. You know, with a manager, say, uh, for example, uh, Jim Cornette, uh, they'd have been a, they'd had a different, feel and texture to them.
1: No doubt about it. I mean, think about that. If we would have presented Bobby Eaton and Dennis Conjury without Jim Cornette, it wouldn't, oh have my
2: God, that's on. scary to think about.
1: So here's Saturday night after hours. This is the, uh, the tamed down version of shotgun Saturday night, but we still have sunny on the stage in a bed under some covers, but fully dressed with the head bangers
3: tracking
1: little plug for sunny because sunny at this point is still the most downloaded woman on AOL, uh, which is what most of America is using for the internet in this era. And here's Ahmed Johnson doing a little backstage interview.
3: But I know, I don't know what, 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 what you expect from me, Vince. I don't know what anybody's expect me anymore. You got me going against three guys going in a game fight by myself. Game. you want a game fight? You got it, Drew. Does anybody want me? I'm right here. You want it? You got it. You want me to get crazy? I get crazy. Sitting so there apologizing for what? You're going to have to fight three guys? You guys gonna kill me? I'm a gang member, baby. Remember that. All right, I think we've put enough of
2: this. I agree, (laughs) (laughs) Vance. Too damn much yelling and screaming, frothing at the mouth. There's Brian still on his uh, religious pilgrimage. Next thing you know, he'll be joining the Bill Gaither Trio and singing gospel songs. There's nothing wrong with that, kids.
1: I want to mention as we're seeing Brian Pillman, uh, <laughs> he's praying for Owen to win the intercontinental title here because Owen is going to be taking on Rocky, my via on the other side. That's right. The rock before he was well, cool. Uh, we're doing everything we can for Rocky, my via, but it's just not resonating or connecting with the crowd. And perhaps he was just miscast at first, but eventually he, you know, finds his voice, finds a rhythm gets going and and he's. You know, he or the wrestling business are never the same. But some of these other talent we've talked about today just didn't happen that way.
2: No, oh, well, that's the difference in Rock and ninety nine point okay. nine percent of the other people in this yeah. business. And uh, yeah, we did all we could because my God, you got you got Stone Cold is put together with baling wire and glue uh, with all his damned injuries, and you know we were looking for a, a you know a, 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 a better support system for Steve. And booking him with Owen, you know, uh, or rock with Owen. We knew Ro- Owen would take care of rock. Owen's uh, promo abilities were underrated. I'm so happy. We're doing an Owen Hart, uh, foundation t- tribute and, and so forth uh, in AEW. He, he, it seems like Owen has been forgotten too long. That's just my take on it. And I love the guy. He was one of the most enjoyable guys I knew to to manage in a talent relations role.
1: I want to mention on the other channel, uh, Monday Nitro has, um, an interesting lineup. Dane Malenko is going to be uh, defending his U S heavyweight championship against Prince Ikea six will be defending his cruiserweight championship against who, Guerrera. Guerrero, uh, Chris Benoit will be in singles action against Lord Steven Regal. I'd like to watch that one. Uh, then we've got a tag team match with Lex Luger and the giant taking on the amazing French Canadians and a singles match with Steve McMichael and the barbarian on paper. When you lay that out, it feels like this is a much bigger and better show, but boy, momentum in sports and in television and entertainment is a real thing. And nitro still wins with Mongo and the barbarian and uh, the giant and Luger against the amazing French Canadians.
2: That's what was frustrating. You know, uh, they have momentum and they're riding that wave as they should have, you know, that was smart booking by Eric and company. Uh, but it was frustrating because we thought, uh, without something so egocentric it's, it's sickening that we were putting out a pretty good product. Yeah. That story with Brett and Steve was a thread that was running through the show. And now you followed up with the two of the best workers of all time. And I understand that they weren't that uh, at this point in time. Owen was far ahead of the rock as far as skill set was concerned. But you look at uh, you look at these two guys, and it's it's not hard to see that a, a six five athletic uh, third generation guy is someone you want to invest and invest heavily in.
1: So we got the uh the Rock here doing his thing with Owen Hart and uh as we mentioned the the Rock is not quite yet the Rock. He's still Rocky Maivia. But he does have uh success not only in the ring but outside of the ring. Of course, the Young Rock as we're recording this is still on NBC. Have you had That's a chance to I mean. catch up any of the any of the Young Rock Oh yeah, I,
2: it's it's on my DVR list. I tape uh, Young Rock every week. Uh my old uh friend Brian Gewertz is uh, so involved in that. I'm going to be doing some work uh, with rocks company, uh, coming up soon. Going to going back and look at the territory. So I'm not sure the platform is going to be airing on, but, uh, I was really happy to have the opportunity or to have the opportunity to, uh, to participate. Nice look. It'll be a nice little gig. I think I'll be joined by Jake, uh, uh, Michael Hayes and Teddy Biasi. We're going to look at the mid south territory first, so should be fun. Rock is a great example of, have, of being successful as hell and uh and one of the reasons is that he has surrounded himself with like minded people who have great product knowledge
1: the rock uh has uh Clearly exceeded all expectations, but I know that when he first debuted, you called him on commentary and and, and every chance you got the opportunity. Oh, this is a blue chipper, blah blah blah, and you told us about having lunch with him and and all the ladies coming to check and see if he needed anything. So you <laughs> knew he had that intangible it. Yeah, but did you think maybe you had done too much too soon? Because that is a story we'd seen with a lot of folks in wrestling where. They got too much too soon and it and never really connected. And we know he ultimately did, but when you saw people chanting die, Rocky die, and it just wasn't working as as well as you guys would have hoped
2: Yes, well, no, of course not. Uh, he was a baby face position as a baby face. And you bring into the ring and you got fans chanting die, Rocky dies. Your uh, baby face things aren't working. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to do a marketing study to figure that out. Uh, but he's, uh. We just, we miscast him in that deal. It's not a big deal because he hit the ground running with uh, the nation of domination and the nation of domination did everything it was supposed to do. It created individual stars and including the biggest star of all in in, uh, Dwayne Johnson. But sometimes you just don't know, uh, and you know, the audience, we've kind of preconditioned the audience to be, uh, you know, a little combative and And, and, uh, all that stuff. So I don't know, man, I I'm a, I'm a big believer that sometimes you got to try something because you think it's going to work. It feels like it should work. All the boxes are checked. So here's something you don't see a lot anymore. Uh, Conrad, uh, working a body part. Rock is selling, uh, as if he is in great pain and I'm sure that he was in this, in this world but Owen is just such a great heel. The body part is the left leg. I like that. It just ties the story together. My nice small package.
1: I read in uh, Dave Meltzer's obituary of uh, Scott Hall where he talked about how um he had a con- he being Meltzer. had had a conversation with Sean Waltman about how Sean really talked Or Scott really taught Sean how to be a television wrestler saying specifically when you're working with an enhancement talent, don't just hit him with all your moves, right? Grab a hold because that gives the announcer an opportunity to stop calling the action and start putting you over. Exactly. And that is such a little piece of wisdom, such a valuable little nugget, but I had never seen it in black and white like that before. And it just made all the sense in the world, and so now it stands out like a sore thumb. Whenever I see, as you said, look at Owen grabbing hold, well, that allowed you guys to put these guys over, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just logical. You got to find your spot to deviate from hold by hold to get back to the story, and uh, and get back to putting these guys over.
1: Looks like uh, Owen's going to be setting up the sharpshooter here. Oh, Rock grabs him by the hair. That wasn't very, very baby face like. Well, he's,
2: he's in a, he's desperation mode because he feels so the match is slipping away. Hopefully, we were telling that story to some degree. Because <coughs> that was a psychology they were utilizing desperation for the uh, young baby face whose Intercontinental Championship was at stake. Big brother, Brett and brother-in-law, uh, Davey up on the stage. It's a nice scene and it's that heart foundation thread that it started at the very beginning of the show with Austin. And it's now continuing. Davy showed a lot of passion there. Sometimes we didn't get what I thought. Sometimes we didn't get enough passion from Davey because he's so good. He can be so good.
1: Man, Tim, White. wonder what he's up to these days.
2: He lives down here in Florida. I get a, I follow him on Facebook. Follow a lot of our guys on Facebook. Cause you kind of keep up with their pictures and their families and things like that. So, but he's doing well, Timmy's in his seventies. He was another tough guy. He didn't want to screw around with his ass.
1: It's, uh, pretty fun to see early rock here because, you know, I mean, you and I have spent a lot of time uh, through the course of our podcast venture here together, seeing rock when he was at the top of his game, but when he's really still finding his voice, if you will, uh, it's, it's really fun to go back and see sort of before he was a star.
2: And you see things like uh, just a moment ago, that Irish whip where rock released Owen in uh, nearest to the corner he was throwing him in in other words too many guys use an irish whip and they let they let their opponent go uh on the good side uh, or i'd say the bad side there's a cover not much of one but it's desperation again uh but you you want you, i a cowboy taught me that a long time ago you know if you're going to give somebody an irish whip take them take them past the halfway point in the ring diagonally so they have shorter distance to travel therefore they have a shorter distance to be able to uh, uh, change their to change their to change their direction or, or to go to Plan B. Davy
1: Boy's little celebration dance was tremendous.
2: Yeah, he had Davy during this time was showing great emotion, and that's kind of what Vince was looking for out of Davy all along. Nobody ever ever doubted Davy's ability to work. He was a great worker. He looked like a million bucks. Oh yeah, Owen is uh has won the Intercontinental title, and but Davey really got into this thing. There's a, a Brett with a very rare smile during these times.
1: Owen's going to carry that belt until he drops it to Stone Cold at SummerSlam with the whole uh, busted pile driver situation. But this is a, a big moment for Owen, and yep. it's got to be a bit of a, uh, teachable moment for Rocky. My he came in, won the title, arguably too soon, too much, too soon. Fans were rejecting him. And now it feels like when the belt comes off of him, that maybe this Rocky Mavia experiment is over. Do you know if anybody, whether it's an agent, someone from the office, a veteran, would anybody have had some sort of conversation with, with a young Rocky Mavia to say, now listen, Dwayne, don't get down on this blah, blah, blah. Of course. Pat Patterson. There you go.
2: That's your answer. Simple, straightforward. I even like the fact that you've got uh here comes Austin in a wheelchair. And uh, and the axe handle. Uh you know, Pat's got Pat's character has a role in Young Rock now, and it's uh it's pretty cool.
1: And uh it looks like we're gonna be coming back from a commercial break there as well on Monday Night Raw, and we're starting hour two. What'd you think of these opens here? When you guys rolled them out in 97,
2: Uh, I liked them good product. It was good, uh, elements, slick elements. I thought, uh, and added some, some sizzle to our show, these graphics and all these things were kind of new. And again, I don't know that this, all this money would have been spent on these promos and these graphical graphic opens. Uh, if, uh, if we had been winning the money night war, Vince is spending a lot of money on production elements, as we're seeing here.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
1: It's uh it's a, a special time for Monday Night Raw because you know we're at the maybe the height maybe not quite yet the height of the Monday Night War, but,
2: but you know there are two shows that we're doing we're doing uh Raw and Raw's War uh there was that was a ratings thing uh, it allowed uh, advertisers a choice of getting the early version of Raw or the late version which at times became more edgy. Nice crowd in Omaha.
1: No doubt. 6,600 fans, 88 grand, S-
2: small building. It's I mean, the building was packed. I want to say this might've been, it seems like that was one of the nights that, uh, Maurice mad dog with Sean joined us just as a, come by to say hi. He was friends to a lot of guys, especially Patterson, who he worked with extensively in the AWA for Virginia, but uh, mad dog, uh, made his home in Omaha.
1: So let me ask about the Owen title change. It was written in the observer that the initial plan was for Owen to win the intercontinental title at King of the ring instead of here. Do you know why it was moved up? Was it just failed experiment with, uh, with, with my via, or was it more a matter of, Hey, we need to get, put a little more steam on this, uh, heart foundation.
2: Well, it is a bigger audience. You got to. Uh, a hugely larger audience on Monday night, than you're going to have on a pay-per-view eyes balls on the sets, uh, uh-uh. the hut usage homes, using television homes, using video, whatever it's a different world than it is now, where you have streaming services and all these things. So you get a bigger audience. Also has got him a prop. He loved this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, we started hour one with Steve Austin, and now we're starting hour two with Steve Austin, this time with an axe handle and a wheelchair.
3: Who wants to see a wheelchair match? (laughs) All you got to do, Bret Hawk, is wheel your little carcass down here, and I promise you, you have my word that I'll sit here and fight you wheel to wheel. I take that back, I ain't gonna promise that because I'm a lying SOB. I'd come out of this wheelchair, stomp a mud hole in your ass and walk it dry. This whole thing, every single one of you hearts, Brian Pillman, the whole thing is designed because the last thing, the last thing you want to see a stone cold Steve Austin as a World Wrestling Federation champion? Here it's here's about my people
2: harder don't agree, man.
3: And see my people on May the 11th. On May the 11th, The Undertaker. You will indeed see the coldest day in hell because come hell or high water, 4, 5, 10, 15, or 20 hearts, I'm going to be there and I'm going to whip the Undertaker's ass. You're looking you're looking at the next WWF champion and that's the bottom line. The Stone Cold says so. It's so-called Steve Austin, you know, that ambulance that I rode in tonight, well, before the night is through, you will be riding in it all busted up in pieces. And that's the bottom line.
2: So in other words, stay tuned kids.
3: It's every one of your answers.
1: I love this thread, man. We're keeping it going. Austin and Brett are all over the TV. It's giving people a reason to stay tuned or yeah. they can switch to the other channel and watch Mongo and Barbarian.
2: Well, <laughs> you're all over that Mongo Barbarian thing, ain't you? <laughs>
1: well, it's just amazing to me that you've got all this talent here. Oh, I know. Money. Look at here, speaking of talent.
4: His war, yes, he's back in the United States. Let's show you why, ladies and gentlemen. He was held against his will in the country of Kuwait as we take you now to footage from Good Morning, Kuwait. Vader, watch this now.
3: Does that feel fake, huh? Does that feel fake? Does it? Why don't you come down tonight and before I kick him, I'll kick your okay? All right, don't hey, we're not here to be insulted. I'm not here to be insulted.
2: her Center said, What the hell, Leon? God <laughs> almighty.
1: Well, it was kind of old school to defend the business, but, uh, boy, he was not loving the way that, uh, played out for him. Was he not?
2: No, none of us were. I can tell you if I was on the phone once during that period of time about this matter, I was on the phone 50 times and thank God. Jerry Briscoe was over there to keep the rudder in the water. So to speak, he went way above the, uh, call of duty to say, Say the very least. So I thought our three men did. But we're see how, how things have changed. We're also how tight quarters. Fans right behind us. Whether you know, the only thing I used to get really pissed when people would that grab my hat or slap uh-huh. it or yeah, it just it was just so annoying. Now they got more room.
1: Seeing a package here on Shamrock.
2: And so I'm going to work
4: to be the best. To challenge myself. It's another chapter in my life, and it's a different
0: challenge. On the threshold of his greatest challenge, Shamrock relishes the opportunity.
4: And I can tell you this: the WW is going to be the, the biggest challenge I've ever had yet. Okay? Because I tell you this: it's not just going
3: in and, and wrestling. Whole tree that goes with it. It is going to
4: be probably the most difficult thing that I've ever ever tried to do. <laughs> a brief glimpse of shamrock has been nothing short of impressive
2: or we really needed kenny to get over and i thought he was going to he had that that star rocket ship feel
3: no one and i the, chair the TV and all the American people believable conrad
2: Look great. Showed no fear. Just go
3: out and prepare for it, and do what you can do.
2: Sometimes Kenny had problems getting his alarm clock to work.
4: (laughs) His preparation has fueled
2: his. Uh, I loved him. I told Jerry Briscoe one time, so I got to take Shamrock out here in this loading dock and find him. So if I'm not back in five or ten minutes, please come get me.
1: (laughs) I love that. Well, he's getting ready of course, because he's going to have, uh, some matches with, uh, with Vader that people are still going to be talking about 25 years later, but I like this sort of old school package, showing him training, showing him with his family yeah, uh, and then showing the sit down. This is, uh, you know, how they used to build superstars in the eighties, but it still worked here in the nineties.
2: Yeah. And it still, it will work today. Conrad yeah. People are, especially today where people want more information. Yes. They feel a need for the information. You know, Connie, I need dirt. Melcher called
1: that video. They aired a Ken Shamrock video, and it was the best thing they've done with him <coughs> to date. And this is uh, something a little different. It's the road dog.
4: I need working hard on the go with the hands on the clock. Keep spinning too slow. If I never hear
2: this song again the rest of my life, you'd be good with it. I'll be very good with it.
1: So w- we try, we saw him before as the roadie. Of course the original plan was, we were going to reveal that he was the real singer, uh, that didn't come to fruition. Jeff Jarrett walked out. We never really got to pay it off just about the time that Jeff Jarrett's going to show up in October of uh, 96 over in WCW. Well, what do you know? Our buddy, Brian Armstrong, Brian James, uh, Jesse James, is they're calling him here, he's going to debut. The WWF on superstars and start telling everybody, no, I was the real singer. And now he's trying to do that here. Of course, ultimately, with this gimmick and rockabilly, seems like an odd pairing, but maybe not with the country music piece. But they become the new age outlaws and exceed all expectations. All of them. But that is not the plan. That's 1998. 1997, the plan is Vader kicks your ass in a minute and 34 seconds. Here we go.
2: Well, you keep (laughs) trying things. Yeah, you, you keep trying to. things, and you know, throwing the throwing the hook in the water, see so if you get a bite. Because again, it, just exactly like a Billy Gunn, we knew that Road Dogg was a hell of a talent. He just had to fight. He, he and we had a great story, great story, a great program here to be involved in, Connie. But heck, you know, uh, we just had to give it a shot. And if he's if he got over somehow, there's a spark of. Getting over as a, as a baby face. First of all, I never thought that was going to work either because Brian is a great heel. He knows how to to general a match, lead the match, and so forth. Well, this has got to be an, a challenging sight to see that big smelly son of a gun <laughs> step in the ring, and he well, know he, knowing he's going to go over.
1: The challenge is going to be for you because after the match, I think Vader is going to have a little interaction with you and.
2: I was gonna whip his run. ass right there, but we were on live television. I was that close, got That that close.
1: You didn't want to uh expose the business, you know.
2: No. or his he-, he was he was uh heaving pronoun boy. Are you an assassin or an errand boy? Uh Road Dog had great fire. I love that about him. Still do. He's passionate. He's a podcaster,
1: right? Yeah, man, just started a podcast with Ryan Katz. I think now they're probably three episodes deep on, oh, you didn't know. And, uh, man, I think Brian's got a story that a lot of people are going to be tickled to hear. First of all, he's charismatic. He's funny. He's witty. He knows how to tell a story, but man, from growing up the son of bullet Bob surrounded by all his wrestling brothers, and then going to serve our country and doing enhancement talent for WCW and being the roadie, for Jeff Jarrett and then all of this stuff that we're seeing here, but then the new age outlaws and the struggles with the drug addiction. But more importantly, most recently, man, a, a pretty big player behind the scenes for WWE. not too long ago, the head writer of SmackDown. So you're going to get something pretty unique and pretty special with that. Oh, you didn't know show. So check that out anywhere you enjoy podcasts and you hear Jr. Really going off about Vader here. Let's track it. What well,
4: we can say he showed that work national the broadcaster who quite frankly was scared to death. Now, I'm not scared to ask you some questions. What are you doing, Ross? Ross? What are you doing? What's he
3: doing?
4: Jim Ross playing up the grab a word. The man they call Vader. Well now he's gotta be the stupidest man in Omaha. I can tell you this, JR. will be confrontational. I ain't no kidding. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions if you don't mind. Everybody knows the ordeal you've gone through in Kuwait. I just want to know if you have any remorse. You have any shame for the embarrassment that you put your family through. You put the WWF through. He hated that. I don't care if they lock you or not. You've embarrassed a lot of people. You have any remorse? Do you feel ashamed of yourself?
2: Ooh. I'm on the square.
3: One time, once and for all, I went to Kuwait to do a job, and I happened to do my job.
2: Cause you're booked with the Undertaker. You're gonna do
3: the job. <laughs> 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 Not well,
2: like this, then,
3: I and Bruce. So I <laughs> you one last time, I apologize for nothing.
4: I apologize. To no one. All right, a second question if you have the moment here. As long as you've been in professional wrestling, I'm sure you've been asked a zillion times if wrestling is fake or not. Now, I'm not going to ask you that question because I don't agree with the question, but don't you think you overreacted just a little bit when this guy in Kuwait asked you,
2: uh, What a hell of an interview. A kid's got a future, Conrad.
4: Nuts or what? A big mouth. You know what? I can finish
3: that interview that I started over in Kuwait See with there? you right here and right now.
4: That wouldn't be advisable. You
3: know what I'm saying? Oh, look at
4: the this guy! Man. What are you, a big tough guy from Oklahoma? Is I'm that what right you are? I'm doing my job. I'm asking questions, that's all I'm You're doing. You're acting like an idiot. I'm not out here to be insulted
3: by you or anybody. Not by him, not by you, not by the WWF, and certainly not by all these heads out in the audience. I'm just doing my job, asking a question.
4: Don't you think you overreacted? And I'm telling you Uh-oh. that you're stupid and you need. I don't, I don't need that, I'll tell you that. You need
3: maybe hey. for me. Hey, listen. To finish off what I started in Kuwait, maybe that's what you need. No, I don't need. Maybe that's exactly. Now no. no, look at this, McMahon. Just- look at this. All
4: Same right,
3: ideas. Hey, come on.
1: Shamrock. In there. Boy, Ken Shamrock saved your ass. Hey, you did. Belly to belly suplex <laughs> for Vader, and uh, I love that he uh, pulled your it. glasses off, pulled your hat off, and I love yeah. that it was off mic, but you could still hear him saying or hear you saying, "Leon, that's enough." <laughs> hey, what,
2: Conrad? Where you? What, you know, your buddy here ain't that bad.
1: That was good stuff. Man. <laughs> good stuff.
2: And it was not rehearsed, and we had no lines. We kind of knew what we wanted to get to and Kenny, uh, great spot for shamrock. Oh yeah. He got oh, a hell of God. a pop.
1: Big pop throws the mic down. We're off to the races.
2: I like, uh, and I said earlier with all the injuries that we had and especially on the baby face side and some of our other young baby faces just continue to evolve and mature like Dwayne, uh, we needed shamrock to get over. And and he was beginning to get over when he left.
1: Really, and really I, good segment here. Yeah. And Jim, uh, we see Goldust in the back getting ready for his match, painting up. There's Marlena. Why? This is I don't care. I'm going. Why
3: not? Not tonight. Yeah, I'm going. It's no place for a lady. I'm
1: going to, have, no place for I think we'll be coming back from a commercial break here. And we're doing a little bit of a, uh, a tease for in your house and all these years later, they've still got the, uh, the bumper sponsored by super Oil. and, uh, we, uh, we know that we're on our March for our next big pay-per-view of course, uh, June is king of the ring, but we had in your house events in both April, uh, and in May. And it looks like uh, Hunter Hurst Helmsley is going to be making his way to the ring. There he is with China in tow. This yeah. is still the blue blood era. We're not quite yet to the Triple H era, but we're just a few months away from that. But you can certainly see the evolution of Hunter. He used to come out with a different lady every night, and now he's got China, a little more of a badass edge to him to the point that Goldust doesn't even want Marlena out here in case something happens. Cause we've seen China just ragdoll her more than once at this point.
2: So here we go. Uh, we, we, uh, these are two other, two more guys that we were really depending on to evolve and to get better in their personas. Triple H's persona was continuing to evolve. We knew he was going to be a great heel because he had such great training with, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, killer Kowalski, Walter, uh, he, he also, he also, some people may not know that, uh, that, uh, killer Kowalski also trained Frankie Kazarian. And I think that Frankie Kazarian is one of the most underrated talents in the business right now.
1: Oh, no doubt. He's been so good for so long. Yep. I want to mention, this is a big opportunity, this show we're watching here Monday night raw, because, uh, even though we've been talking about what's happening on the other channel. This is one of those eras where, and I believe because of the NBA playoffs, we started to see some schedule shuffle, meaning nitro was on an hour earlier than normal, and it was only one hour. So as a result, nitro does a 2.7 rating because it's not the normal time it's early and it's only an hour. Meanwhile, raw does 3.44. Think about that. We're not head to head. So it's not quite the same the prior week. Uh, well, it didn't look like this, Uh, as we said earlier in the, in the show, you're starting to close the gap. You did a 2.75 the week prior, but this week with no nitro head to head buddy, it's a 3.44. So you're getting some people to sample your product and boy, you're trying to monetize it. You see right now there's the hotline. You're, you're hammering that a little earlier. We saw the on sale for all the live events. You know, this is a big opportunity and this feels like a really good show.
2: Yeah, uh, it, I thought it was so too, Conrad. That's why I said the frustrating part going forward, and we were head to head, is that we believed, and of course, it may just be our own egos saying this, that we were having some really nice television shows, and uh, but people got in the habit, the viewing habit, and that's what it's all about. And in, in, a lo- in a lot of the television game is developing viewing habits where you're, it's an automatic tune in. I'll say this triple H made sure that Goldust got his offense in because the concept is you want to, if you're going to go over. You want to make sure that you, uh, you actually, so you beat somebody and triple H is going to make sure that uh, that was the case. And then uh, of course, trying to get her obligatory spots in.
1: And here comes Marlene. I want to mention this is, uh, one week before you guys do the sit down interview yourself, Dustin and Terry. And Meltzer would say they announced just as Ellen is coming out of the closet that Goldust will do an interview next week. So they'll acknowledge him next week as Dustin Rhodes, talk about being in Dusty Road Shadow or whatever other explanation they're coming up with. Whose idea was that? The sit-down interviews behind the paint, if you will, with Dustin and, and Terry?
2: Probably uh, a combination of Vince and the two Vinces, Russo and McMahon. And uh You know, I, I enjoyed doing them. I I thought I had a, uh, that, that was a good place for me to be at certain times, uh, the, doing those sit downs, Think about all the sit downs I did back in that era that people still talk about, you know, the Mick Foley stuff, Austin and rock, all these type things. So, uh, I, I, uh, I, it, it worked and they were good. Well, that was, I think that interview took a little while too, to get done.
1: Well, it, it, obviously, you know, the success of that interview led to a series of sit down interviews with mankind. And I think even Foley would say all these years later, that was a critical p- turning point for his entire career. Those sit down interviews with you.
2: Yeah, it worked, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and give Mick the credit, you know, I just kind of, I threw out some questions, but you know, that was, that whole thing was an ad lib, the Foley interview with myself was just an ad lib.
1: One Lord thing about China,
2: she was very imposing looking. Nobody else had her to look.
1: Million dollar look for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah it was too bad how her life ended. Lord, uh, no. Lord knows I spent a lot of hours with her in her last days at, uh, in the company.
1: I felt bad for her. There's the powder in the eyes from Marlena to China. She had that uh, planned out. I'm not going to ragdoll me today. Well,
2: you ought to.
1: So, of course, China now thinks that he's, uh, that she's choking out Marlena. She's actually choking Hunter her. Helmsley. I'm sure they weigh about the same, <laughs> uh, Yokozuna Ooh. makes the observer here. Yokozuna was contacted about coming back with all the injuries, but he's on blood thinning medication. So if he were to suffer an accidental cut, the blood wouldn't clot, and it could be really disastrous. No word on uh, when he'll get clearance to return. And we know in reality, we've seen the end of Yokozuna in the WWF, but that, that conversation just feels like something that would never happen today. It's a, it's a better class of athlete these days. It feels like.
2: Yeah. And better checks and balances medically. Uh, no doubt about that. Nice work here by China and triple H. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought this was a good marriage. The thing you couldn't do is have a mixed tag because that would have been ridiculous.
1: Undertaker interview here on the Jumbotron. Let's take a listen.
4: By JR, any remorse, Undertaker, for the actions last week of Paul Bear? Well, no man deserves to have the flesh burned from his face. But
3: there is an old saying the one who covets the flame ends up being burnt. Indeed.
4: World Wrestling Federation title at stake, stone cold. Steve Austin, your opponent in less than two weeks' time. What about it?
3: Stone cold, Steve Austin, he seemed to have quite a bit of momentum built up, but you understand this Austin, if you come in distracted, you may leave in far worse shape than what a wheelchair will take you son. You may just rest in peace.
1: So Austin is going to be the main event, uh, challenger for the world title at the next pay-per-view against the undertaker, but that's not really where Austin's focused. He's focused on Brett. And the Undertaker's focused on Paul bearer. So, uh, some nice little. Uh, There's Brian back, still praying in the backstage area. This time, of course, uh, praying for something big in the main event. It's going to be the British Bulldog challenging the Undertaker. Let's talk about something real that we've never talked about. That was in the Observer. Uh, as we see uh, another commercial here for the. How day. many stars
2: are you get? I'm kidding.
1: Spanish language announcer, Hugo Savinovich 38 was fired after being arrested at his apartment in Stamford, Connecticut on charges of possession of narcotics, child neglect, and possession of drug paraphernalia on April 24th. Stamford police arrested Savinovich and two companions when they investigated in his apartment and found malnourished five and six-year-old children in an apartment lined with cockroaches and crack cocaine vials. All three adults were held on $20,000 bond. When the WWF was asked to comment, they said, Savinovich no longer worked for the company. This is a story that really flew under the radar, but here it is in the observer, we've never talked about it. What do you remember about hearing about this story and the, and the bad news here?
2: This is a real bad judgment on Hugo's part at that point in his life. Thank God he's changed. He's uh, mended his ways. He's clean and sober. He's uh, doing some uh, religious work, uh, he just made some bad, he made some bad mistakes. And I thought very uncharacteristic of him. I didn't know him. I, we didn't hang. Uh, we weren't lunch buddies or anything like that. I saw him at TVs, uh, but man, uh, I was shocked. He just didn't seem like that kind of guy. And, uh, but you know, he's a product of the wrestling business. And sometimes those, uh, the, those byproducts are not very, uh, uh, very charming, quite frankly. I was I was shocked.
1: Bulldog doing a little mic work here.
3: You introduce me to my beautiful wife Diana. He's my inspiration. Brett, I'm gonna win this match for you who become the World Wrestling Federation champion.
1: I'm- so just so you're keeping up at home, Brett and Owen are already. Tag Team Champions. Earlier tonight, Owen just won the Intercontinental Title, and now right. Bulldog is going to try to make it a clean sweep, a Grand Slam, if you will, and win the World Title uh, from the Undertaker here in our main event. Um, of course, we're going to get a return here. Jim the Anvil Nightheart is going to come back, join the company, and be a part of the Heart Foundation. Uh, whose idea is it to bring back? Anvil it's been said over the years by Bruce Pritchard that this was usually a conversation that happened where Stu would call Vince. Is that the way you remember it?
2: Oh, that happened a lot. You know, Vince, Vince had, uh, a lot of respect for Stu and, uh, you know, the Anvil have been kind of off the radar and it's the same thing. There's been three guys we've talked about in this show that you want to see if there's lightning in the bottle, Billy Gunn, road dog. And the anvil, uh, gotta remember the first time I met Jim Neidhart. Uh, he was brought into the mid South by cowboy largely because he was a world-class shot, putter, and Cowboys youngest son, Micah, uh, was a highly regarded track and field, uh, athlete prospect. So when, when, uh, Anvil was not in the ring, he was oftentimes at Watts' house there in Bixby, Oklahoma, uh, helping, uh, you know, uh, Michael Watts learned more technique and so forth as a shot putter, so, uh, you you just hope that, well, the, all the issues that they allegedly had before they made their last departure was behind them. And now they get, they are getting a second chance. Will they take advantage of it or, or not? So, uh, but the other thing too, is that we're, we're running so deep in this heart foundation thing that. You know, Anvil and, and uh, Brett were, uh, you know, they're, they're married at the hip for a long time. Oh yeah. So, and of course, Anvil's a breast brother-in-law, I mean, it, it had a lot of checked, a lot of boxes, but I'm not so sure that Stu, uh, didn't have a, a phone call in that one. And, uh, asking Vince to book Anvil, you know, mm-hmm. Stu had grandchildren, you know, there's grandchildren to take care of and, and his daughter and all that stuff. So I admire that one, Stu. I had a lot of fun hanging around Stu from time to time.
1: The uh, the reason Jim is coming back, or at least it's speculated in The Observer, is because Brian Pillman is still not ready to return for in ring action. And they had a bunch of six man tags scheduled on the house shows and even all the way up to King of the Ring uh, for the Hart Foundation. Now, originally, I think in theory, it was going to be Bret Hart and uh, Owen and Davey, but Maybe when Brett goes down, they think, well, Brian can do it and Brian can't do it. So here comes Jim Neidhart. So it winds up being Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart, and the British bulldog in those six-man tags.
2: It worked out very well because it got us to Calgary to the stampede. And that's still one of my favorite events I've ever broadcast in my life. Uh, the atmosphere was amazing. Just being in Calgary during the stampede, being able to go off the fairgrounds, have one of those giant Turkey legs. And, uh, corn dogs and all those things. It's pretty damn cool.
1: Pretty damn cool. Indeed. Big shot there in Omaha. Uh, as we said, 6,600 fans there in the ring, uh, we're, as we come back from commercial British bulldog did his patented standing suplex where he just holds the undertaker upside down for quite a while.
2: Yeah. It takes a lot of strength Conrad and balance. It's not easy. It looks like a spot, but it took a lot of strength and I got uh Davia, uh, a near fall. And now the same thing, the guys are still using today. They always want the three count when they know it's not there.
1: Big that's choke slam by the undertaker bulldog got up for him right there. Boy.
2: Well, he's the Clint Eastwood is this guy of black.
1: Oh, and enough. that's enough. So now we're going to get a DQ. Of course, the heart foundation, double teaming the undertaker, but I bet, you know, since we've promised and been promised all this ambulance talk, we're going to see something here. Let's track it.
3: Like
1: Austin came through the crowd, not down by the ramp because that's where Brett was. So he comes through the crowd. He's going to even the odds up here, sort of teaming with the undertaker to take on their common enemy, the heart foundation, even
2: though they're going to be opponents in two two weeks. uh, That was good writing. I thought good creative. They got married back together.
1: Really uh, a, a well done program here. Very entertaining, but we're not done of course. Austin and his, uh, full blown DTA character. He may have been out here to, to save the undertaker, but now he's grabbed the undertaker's belt and he's reminding everybody, this is what I'm all about. This is why I'm in this thing. Steve Austin with the winged Eagle. Of course we know he's not actually going to win that belt until WrestleMania 14, but he's going to get his first title shot on pay-per-view here in just a couple of weeks. And they're nose to nose now, or as close as they can be with the height difference undertaker and, uh, Stone cold and there it is stone cold stunner for the undertaker. He's doing a little celebrating, but I have a feeling the undertaker is going to do one of those patented undertaker sit-ups you think <laughs> double My birds head. for the undertaker. And there it is the Goozle, If you will, maybe a choke slam with Steve Austin's name on it. You betcha. Man, this was a great TV show, not a bad man.
2: And the thread took us from the beginning to the end. Austin started it crossovered it and then ended it.
1: It looks like he's a little worse for wear, but then he stands up and realizes, wait a minute, the heart foundation has been ran out through the crowd, Bret Hart's in a wheelchair at the top of the ramp all by himself. He looks back at the undertaker, looks back at Brett and says, I'll deal with you in two weeks. And he starts making the approach to Brett. And Brett knows what's coming. He gets up out of the wheelchair. He's got the crutches. Austin takes his shirt off. Great TV here, man. Love that shot, too. Shot from over Brett's shoulders. You can see Austin making that slow walk up the ramp.
2: A lot of drama, man. This is a lot of drama. Fans are going nuts, anticipating what they thought was going to happen here. And the end of Brett Hart could be. A moment away,
1: and darn it, that big nasty Rhino Jim Neidhart makes the save.
2: It, uh, it. The rhino's uh, still a good, good uh, uh,
1: uh, talent. Phenomenal. And now you see Brett really opening up on Stone Cold with the crutches. Austin takes a tumble off the stage. What a way to finish Monday Night Raw. Where you started. This is good writing. Fantastic. They should probably check out dot Right, dude. Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Grilling seasons here. Obviously it's for Conrad and I it's never goes away. We were perpetual gr- grillers.
1: Oh yeah. I did yesterday.
2: And, uh, I just, I love it. I love that's my favorite time of the year to be able to get out back and, and, uh, and grill, uh, I miss uh, my outdoor kitchen in Oklahoma. That's one of the reasons I get back there a little bit more often. I'm going to be getting back. there a little bit more often that in the COVID situation, being somewhat, uh, relieved, even though I saw where Philadelphia is going to have to, you have to wear a mask in Philly, uh, but you know, that's not going to be the last city that does that. So anyway, uh, we got all these gift packs, gift boxes. You can buy one bottle of sauce or you can buy a package of 10, whatever it may be great ideas for gifts. And, uh, but I personally would appreciate just, you know, I say this all the time and I truly mean it. Uh, number one, with Jan and my mom's memory, uh, uh, at front of the mind up front. Uh, I, I, I certainly appreciate everybody checking this out. And as I say, uh, it, it costs nothing to look so, uh, it's just to get stocked up, get ready to rock and roll. And if you got a wrestling fan in your world, uh, any occasion, birthdays, anniversaries, father's day, whatever it may be, uh, we think we got something that's good for you.
1: We know we do. It's Jr's BBQ.com and we got something great for you next week. We're going to be talking about the rocks, 1996 and 1997. Stay tuned. Lots of more fun coming your way each and every week right here on grilling Jr with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross.
2: Thanks for listening, everybody. We're grateful and we appreciate you. We'll see you next week.
0: Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game, every day.